kids who read Harry Potter will probably join a cult that practices witchcraft. I'm lame and I hate jokes. So instead, my parents let me read John Grisham. The best jokes are the ones where you fully explain the punchline after it's landed, so the audience feels talked down. John Grisham, drugs, mob bosses, prostitution. Other happy things I also hate are Christmas, birthdays, and free beer. What I'm trying to say is that banning kids from reading an age-appropriate book can have disastrous consequences. Uh, once a child smiled at me, so I punched it in the So throat. while Joel continues ruining comedy by his ill-timed delivery, the rest of us are going to explore the world of banned books. Which ones are great, which ones are terrible, and why they were banned in the first place. That child never smiled again. Spoiler, that child was Joel. He punched himself in the face as a child by walking too fast into a door. I don't understand the physics of that, but sure. Right, okay. Kids who read Harry Potter will probably join a cult that practices witchcraft, so instead, my parents let me read John Grisham. 007 books had adult themes and alcohol in them, and I was too young, so instead, mine let me read Michael Crichton. John Grisham. Drugs, mob bosses, prostitution. Crichton. Death, gore, violence, science, and still a whole bunch of sex and booze. What I'm trying to say is that banning kids from reading an age-appropriate book can have one or two disastrous consequences. And what I'm trying to say is that we should have gotten a James Bond Jurassic Park crossover. I mean, something's already there. InGen and their corporate enemies have already involved in Spycraft and Subterfuge. There's definitely a whole bunch of international ramifications to bringing dinosaurs back. And there's no way a dude carrying around an amber-tipped walking stick with a mosquito in it didn't start for life as a Bond villain. Give me a Lorna Dern, Sean Connery romantic couple. Yeah, okay, on the so today we're going to talk about banned books, the dumb reasons they got banned, and which ones are still needing to be read. Do 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 This is the book report. <laughs> Sorry, I just love the cutting me off rant part. <laughs> well, you did write that um, bit, so I hope I know, our audience is aware. Really you are literally bit. laughing at your own joke right now. I um, We have two intros this week for a very specific reason, because we were debating which one was better because one of us wrote each one of them. We did. Um, So you can... Decide which intro you like. I think mine would have been honest. better, but Joel's comedic delivery and timing is off by a smidge. Just a well, smidge. I'm gonna, Just a smidge. I know. I'm going to fix that. some of that in post. I did stumble over one of my lines because for some reason I read the end of the line before the beginning of it. Ah, uh, yes. The old Obviously, Hebrew I'm not reading of the Bible method. <laughs> you read from the right to the left. Got it. But only one of us has any experience in acting. Well, since middle school. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's count that yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, we had this idea when we were uh ironing out what we should do for season 3, and it was originally an idea for like a trilogy of episodes, but that was going to be way too long, and so uh we figured we could condense this into one, but it was because there's this banned books week every week in October when we were setting down to plan season 3, and we had mentioned them a couple times uh, in other seasons, and I don't remember what episode. Um, and we just kind of wanted to talk more about just the very idea of banning books is stupid to me. And I assume, Stephen, you have a response to that. Yeah, I'm just a little bit annoyed with you because I thought we were going to get to talk about our favorite rubber band books, like the fabled art of rubber band origami. 
And you didn't tell me until like two days ago that that's not what we were doing. And instead, we were talking about boring, normal books that some people just didn't want to read. And I'm still a little disappointed about that. Sure. That is a very valid um, reason to be disappointed. And I desperately want to talk about rubber band books as well. But you have not lent me your copy of The Lost Art of Rubber Band Origami. You're right. Um, so that's because I lost over it. it but don't worry. It'll keep bouncing back <laughs> eventually. It'll bounce back. It'll bounce back. <laughs> I'm here for you. You're right. Still. That does sound like a very interesting book, actually. I'm, I'm into it. I mean, it. it would be worth reading when you're... It's one of those books that you get when you are looking through the Scholastic Book Fair as a sixth grader, right next to the one mm -hmm. where they tell you how all of the different ways um, to make paper airplanes. God, I want a Scholastic Book Fair for adults. They still exist. Like You just I'm have to rent one. a child. It's actually called foster care, but you have to rent a child oh, okay. and then take them to the school to the book fair with them. No, but I want one, like, for adults. I want to get a catalog of, like, new books that are coming out that are, you know, the for new adults York and Times? not children. Yeah, I don't want, like, fancy schmancy ones. That's fair. I They're want, part of like, the liberal the... agenda anyways. I agree. Good exactly. Call. I want the um <clears throat> the trash books that were secretly amazing that came out in the Scholastic oh, like the Thief Lord. book fair. Got it. Yes. Uh, and the entire Animorphs series no, and no. so many yeah. more. Sorry, that one. Yeah. Series of unfortunate events. Those were good. Um, like there, there's so many great things that came out of Scholastic, but like there's nothing like that for adults. I want a curated list of books that are presented like they're dime store nothing fiction, but are actually amazing. Get on that, whoever is in charge of these things. It just sounds like you're coming up with a business <laughs> idea that you could probably make. And if Ugh, you do it correctly, it'd be awesome. If you do it poorly, you'll just have another Barnes & Noble copycat. I do know some people in publishing. I will talk to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyways, this week we're talking about banned books. So, Stephen, do you have any favorite books that are on the banned books list? Oh, I actually skipped I mean, that section um, because okay. I was more interested in talking about the books that were banned that I like having them banned. Because you and I have like a slightly different opinion on this slightly okay um so i actually skipped over the best band books and i'm sure that one of my books like i'm sure that i have a book that i love that has been on a banned books list the problem with the banned books list is that generally those lists are very regional like it's not like the u.s mm -hmm. government comes down and says every single copy of the catcher in the rye is here and forth with banned forever. It's more like a local school district says, I don't want my kid learning the F word. So we're going to not allow this in our flower library. Right. And so it's the, hard the US... to find a definitive version of a banned book list. Just brushing over it. Um, I like pretty much everything by George Orwell. Um, and his stuff has been banned a couple different times. Mm -hmm. I like The Giver quite a bit. Um, I'm always a fan of child-based euthanasia. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, even The Lord of the Rings has been on banned books list before. Yeah, my and that's your all-time favorite. Um, C.S. Lewis nominated Tolkien for a Nobel Prize in Literature, and the Nobel Committee was like, it really hasn't met the highest standards of storytelling, so no. <clears throat> but the yeah, you're, you bring up a good point, is that uh, there are countries that have banned entire books. Usually it's more religious reasons and stuff like that. But even the U.S. banned Ulysses um, back in the Roaring Twenties, uh, which, I mean, everything was awful then anyways. Why are you banning a book about sex and horribleness? Because they like, banned alcohol. Like, come on. I don't understand. Um, 
Yeah. The Women's just, Temperance League was a hell of a PAC. P, wait. Apparently. Yeah, PAC. It right. just seems paradoxical to me to be banning books during the Roaring Twenties um, or at any time. My whole thing is we can – let's just start with that, What are the, the differences on our philosophies about this. My whole thing is that knowledge in general or uh, books in general shouldn't be banned because even if a book is teaching a horrible thing or it's just really badly written, it still has inherent merit in like the ability to refute it. I remember when I was first a reporter out of college – there was a story by one of those really stupid websites that puts out like the top 10 cities in Oklahoma or some crap. And they put out one that's like the top 10 most dangerous cities in the nation. Um, and it included uh, the city I was in, Midwest City. And the math behind how they did this uh, study was really, really dumb. And and I can't even do math and I recognize it as really stupid. And the methodology behind even reporting it was really, really bad. So I wrote a whole long article about how everything in this was stupid. It's not worth your time. And anybody who believes this statistical ridiculousness um, is an idiot. And that was basically the point of my article. Before it went to press, the Chamber of Commerce called and yelled at our uh, publisher, begged him to not publish this story. And I was like, we are refuting it. <laughs> we are defending the city. Why can't we publish it? There's like, no, don't even mention it. Don't even address it. And that angered me so much is because you can't fix incorrect information without repeating it with the ability to like, you have to be able to point to it and say, this is why this is wrong. And if you ban it outright, that just draws more attention to it. So I think banning almost all books is just inherently stupid. That's fair. What's that? Um, what's the Washington Post's motto? Truth. Uh, democracy dies in darkness. Democracy dies in darkness. Yeah, that's it. Um, that just reminded me of it. Now, I do want to offer a slight rejoinder for all the people listening. Um, when Joel and I both lived in Midwest City, uh, we shared an apartment at the time, and our what was it? Two doors down from us, the car parked in front of us had a bullet hole in the side of the car. Mm -hmm. And both of us would often joke that we actually could not go to bed until the police sirens started blaring. So I, <laughs> you know, I think that in, in all fairness, that may have been a deserved list for Midwest city to end up on. Um, I appreciate you trying to refute it and defend them, but I wouldn't recommend like if I ever have a daughter for her to live there. At the same time I do, for the record. Um, just fun memories, honestly. I tell both of those stories I'm to fair. a lot of people. I think it's hilarious. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, I think you make some some fair points. Like, you know, people can't get a fair and balanced viewpoint if they only receive one side of information, which I think is fair. Um, so you and I are probably just looking at it slightly differently because the reason I would say sometimes it's okay maybe not to ban books but to like redirect people away from certain books is just it's an age thing i think that there, there is i i think there's a level of maturity you need for certain topics for certain subjects i don't think that it is appropriate like honestly i i really think that i am a little more messed up as an adult because I read John Grisham as a child. I don't think I was nope. old enough to understand a lot of those things. And I really wish that my parents would have had a little more knowledge and been able to say, hey, 
that's not a great book. Here's, you know, a series of unfortunate events. Enjoy those. Those are more your your age level. Your age. Um, 100%. We have age ratings for video games, TV shows, movies. We have like a board that governs what can be even on the radio, but we have no kind of age rating for books, yeah. and that's bizarre to me. Yeah, and, and so I, I think that's them. more why I think it's okay to ban books because we don't have an age rating. So I don't really want like a... I don't know, like an 11 year old picking up 50 shades of gray. That's probably not right. great for their emotional development to have that be their introduction to what a good sex life is. Um, so I, that's really where I'm coming from when I say, I think that you should allow sometimes books to be banned. Now I do think that books have been banned for very stupid reasons. And I would disagree with that. Yeah. And we have a list of some of those. Fun Heck ones. Yeah, we do. Um, and a long rant on most of them. Hey, I'm a master of the um, yeah. segue. I, I put the ball on the tee for you. All you had to do was smoothly smoothly swing the bat. Okay. Well, then I'm Just... swinging. The first one off the bat is nudity. Seriously? How do you ban a piece of text for nudity? It's text. There's no actual nudity. It's like, even if there's the most like... I don't know, clinical description of what you're seeing, it's still a piece of text. There is, by definition, no nudity there. That it makes no sense to me. And one of the ones on this list of books that were banned for nudity is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I honestly do not remember any nudity, even like nude scenes in that book that were graphic enough to even like give you a vi like big visual imagination of something. Like, what are you even talking about? So interestingly about Unless it's a picture book, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> interestingly about this, um, this is one of those things that I find fascinating um, as a religious person, because um, if any of you have ever read the Bible, you've hopefully come across the book Song of Solomon. So mm -hmm. Song of Solomon is, you know, part of the I believe it's part of the Jewish canon. It's not part of the Torah, but it's, um, you know, it's in there. And it was during several times in Jewish history, depending on which tradition you come from, I think rabbinical Judaism was the one, but they actually like would not let you read it until if you were a man, they wouldn't let you read it until you were in your thirties because they thought it was too explicit. Um, a lot of Christian groups have banned the song of Solomon to be read just because it describes in like decent detail, the shape of a woman's naked body. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think like, I think stuff, nudity is, I agree. It's like stupid to call it nudity, but you can paint a pretty vivid picture with words. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can, you 100% can, but oh my God, don't even call, do not call that nudity yeah, because there, <laughs> it makes no sense. Totally to me. You can say like, sexually explicit you could say something else but it's just i saw that on this list and i was like there's no way i'm not talking about this for five minutes you can't like the whole point of books is that there's no like it's not visual it's not a visual medium i'd be interested uh, to know the list you found that on because i feel like that's a bit of a stretch no matter which way you're writing it like whether you're saying this is a stupid reason nudity like what but was that actually was that what they called it or is that what you're interpreting it as it's more just curious. I mean, it was seriously like books banned for nudity. No. no. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. All right, what what else I'll is have a, to find it again. What else is a dumb reason to ban a book, Joel? Racism. Now, I'm not saying 
racism doesn't exist, and I'm not saying racism isn't very obvious in books, but seriously, almost all the ones on these lists that are banned for racism are books that are about why racism is bad, but, you know, have racist characters in them. Like, it goes back to the whole point is you can't refute something without showing it. You can't point out how horribly racist someone is unless you have a horribly racist character and you can't go and ban the book because there's a horrible racist character that is the bad guy like what are you doing yeah to kill a mockingbird is usually the top of that list to kill a mockingbird is all about how racism is terrible and the judicial system and you know coming of age story and all that stuff but seriously how do you ban to kill a mockingbird for racism because it's a dumb book and i don't like it and then uh, The Grapes of Wrath, I Know Why a Caged Bird Sings. The Grapes of Wrath, I'm a little bit okay with banning because I hate that book. But still, it was not a racist book. Right. It was about how racism is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm. And Mein Kampf isn't on there banned for racism. Oh, well, that's, that's literally a pinnacle specifically of Western literature, honestly. I mean, you can't get better than that. I Obviously. think that racism is maybe one of those topics that. <sighs> I don't even know if that's one of those ones I would apply an age sticker to because I think most kids are pretty good at figuring out like what bad behavior is. And I think it's an example of adults looking at this and thinking, oh, little Johnny or little Susie isn't going to understand that that person is acting racist. So I need to not let them read this book. Like I remember I read, um, oh crud, what's that super long one? Margaret Mitchell, um, Made into a movie that's like nine hours long. It's about the South. Um, Rhett Butler uh, played what's his? Yes, yes, um, yes. Why can I not? Gone with the wind. Um, so Gone with the wind wind, has a lot of like racist themes in it because it's about the South, like before, Mm -hmm. during, and after the Civil War. Are major players? Yeah. So heroes at some point in the book yeah so it's it's a very like glorifying picture of the south and you're like oh my gosh the south must have been amazing but even then i recognized that a lot of the ways that these hero characters were acting wasn't great like they were not treating their their slaves as equals they were treating them kind of as subhumans and even though i read this at a a decently young age i remember thinking like ah this probably isn't how you should treat other people and and that was just one of those things that you kind of understand implicitly so i think that racism is is a bad way reason to ban books like i'm with you you you've got to talk about it um even in schools yeah. uh like i i teach and one of the things is you don't just say yeah so uh the civil war is fought over states rights and we're going to move on and uh talk about reconstruction no no you say listen so in the south People were racist. They looked at human beings the same way you or I would look at like vehicles and they bought and sold them and separated families and it was really bad and it wasn't a good thing. And we have moved past that as a society and that's a good thing. Obviously, it should be inherently inherently obvious that people are people and you shouldn't treat them any differently depending on the color of the skin. I'm saying is you have to have some um, understanding of the history that certain people or certain organizations or anything has gone through to understand why things are the way they are now to a large degree. And if you just say racism is bad and leave it at that, and then all these people who grew up in today's world will be like, yeah, racism is bad and not understand that. And I mean, from a historical standpoint, that racism is the reason we have everything from, well, we've learned this year, the electoral college to the two, the 
two, uh, uh, what's it called? The, the house and the Senate system set up the way it is. And the reason South Dakota and North Dakota were split into two and like all of these different things is part of the like history of racism. And if you don't understand that, you can get to the point where we are today where massive amounts of people think the civil war was fought over something that wasn't slavery. And it's just, you need to have some context on everything. Well, that, Nothing is without context. That was a hell of a tangent. Man. It was. In politics. Um, I don't know. I don't, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I don't think you need to know that, um, cholera can kill you to know that you shouldn't drink muddy water. You know, that's kind of my thing. I think there's some things people just get. True. True. So, I, right. I, and I think okay. we're beating this, this next horse one. To we death. have, we've, we've gone way off topic there. This next one is unfortunately probably going to be a bit controversial, but before I get to that controversial part of it, I just have to read the reason behind banning certain books and then talk about it by itself. A deliberate attempt to indoctrinate young children. That phrasing sounds like very negative and very um, evil. A deliberate attempt to indoctrinate young children. However, that can be applied to literally every children's book, period. <laughs> Unless it's like Goodnight Moon. Like any book that has a moral lesson is in a deliberate attempt to indoctrinate young children. Every single one of them. Because you're trying to teach them something. And I don't understand how that's a reason to ban a book. Unless you don't agree with what they're trying to teach children. And that's where we come to the controversial side. This one's almost exclusively applied to books that says gay people are okay. Um, for instance, A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, which is a book about two male bunnies who want to hop together. Um, and The Prince and the Night, which I think was turned into a Hulu TV show. I can't really tell if that's based on a book or not. But it's just the idea that a book teaching a moral lesson that you don't necessarily agree with is a reason to completely ban it is dumb to me because if you can read this book and say, if you have a problem with it morally, you as a parent or a teacher should be able to say, and this is why this is wrong. If you don't have a problem with it morally, then you're going to be fine with reading the book. So it's just very stupid on its face to me to say that we're banning a book because it's trying to teach some kind of moral. And so in this, this is where I become probably a little more, um, if we're talking politics, like a little more libertarian, maybe a little more uh, right of center, because I'm more of the, I'm just, I think you and I are on the same page on this. It's kind of a, it should be up to the parents to kind of police what their children are reading. So exactly. like, for example, I will a hundred percent have my children read like Bible stories and teach them moral lessons through like David and Goliath and Joshua and Jericho and all of those things that I think can teach some really interesting stuff. And then I can talk through the morals. There are other books that teach morals that I might not necessarily agree with that I'm probably not going to read to my children. And I think that's really where it comes down to. I don't necessarily, I, th I think one of the reasons why banning books is kind of frustrating, like to outright ban them is because it's someone else telling me how to raise my kids. kid and i you know oh. there are a lot of people who would say oh you shouldn't raise your kid to be x y and z and i mean like to an extent there are ways you shouldn't raise your child your child like i i understand there are ways that are bad and negative and are not going to have a positive impact on the kid um but 
you know, how, how far do you really want to go with like taking the agency away from the parents to teach their kids mm-hmm. the way they want? And one of the things that specifically bums me oh, out. Also, about... as a side note, uh, why the hell did you pick, pick A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo? Because that was just John Oliver being a dick. Like, he didn't write that to make a point. <laughs> so he was just writing though. it because he hated Mike Pence. I know. And that's why it's funny to oh, me. Brother. Um, All right. And it's a really good book. I've read it. It's actually like really cute little book about bunnies. I'm um, not going to read it because I'm a little bit like annoyed with John Oliver simply because however much you might hate Mike Pence, I think his intentions in writing that book, like the whatever it was originally, were pure. Like write a children's book to entertain children. Great. You can't get much more wholesome than that. And then John Oliver was like, you dude. I'm going to write my own book that I know personally attacks your beliefs in the world. It's like, oh my God, don't. I think it was specifically about Pence being a dick about something else and um, I I just then publishing that book. I, I don't know all the details go into it. I, but I think it's been, <laughs> one of the things that specifically pisses me off about this idea is, and this is um, very personal to me because my family has done something like this. Um, that they're totally fine with me bringing any boyfriend um, or eventual husband maybe I have around their kids, but they're going to have to introduce them as my friend or something like that. Um, and my whole problem with that is I'm not fighting them on it. I don't care. Your children do what you want. My whole problem with that is none of my nieces or nephews are going know what sex is in general. They have no idea what that is. And you as an adult, are completely saying that, okay, well, because I don't agree with sex between two members of the same sex, two members of the same gender, um, I am not going to allow them to even know, even before they know what sex is, that these two people are in a relationship. And you're intentionally sexualizing everything, um, but for someone who doesn't even know what sex is, there is no sexual connotation to that, so why are you policing it? And you're just, it's just, it's extra layers of stress that you don't need because again, they don't know what sex is yeah. and you're policing a view of sex before they even know what it is. And it's just bizarre to me. So I think like adding extra layers of things they don't need is a, a fair way to put that. And I would maybe just say like on the other side of things, and I can circle back to another point I was going to make, but like on the other side of things, first of all, I'm actually going to start with my circling back. First of all, I think that your family <laughs> should probably just be like, upfront about it because otherwise it's going to cause issues down the line and that's a mess but on the other side of things like i know this isn't the case with your family but in well maybe it is doesn't matter in like i'm going to use something i know well so in like catholicism right if you're sending your kids to um like ccd and you're having them learn like catholic definitions of things that's one thing and then if you bring in like another definition then that's going to confuse the kid and so then that's an element of you're adding other layers into it where maybe you don't need to at an early age so i'm not saying like i would agree with you i don't think that like saying that um two men like are husbands i don't think that that's sexualizing it um and i think it's kind of like adult to say it is sexualizing it but i think that it can be confusing to a child who has only been taught like hey just so you know uh like mommy is the wife daddy is the husband and that's how like we interpret all of this and then when you bring in a third thing i think that is kind of a tricky conversation to have with a child Mm -hmm. that maybe your child might depending on your upbringing your culture whatever 
your religious context, it might just be a kind of complicated to really flesh that out in a way. That and works. agreed. That's a, that's an interesting conversation you have to have with your kids, depending on your, um, your worldview, but it's also not going anywhere. So hiding them from that until a certain age just doesn't make any sense to me because I mean, like, obviously you're not going to be explaining sex to a five-year-old. Um, but they're going to see, uh, two men or two women together as, um, parents. That's what's going on in today's world. And if you just deny that that exists, that's going to be more confusing than just, um, yeah, they're married and then moving on and then explaining why you agree or disagree with that. If you have a problem with it, like a hundred percent. And I, I, I think that like, you know, I, I think parents really, and you know, I'm not a parent, so I'm probably like stepping way outside right. my house parents, and you're not so. either. But <laughs> what I would say is that parents tend to not be as honest as maybe they should be. And I think it's well-intentioned. I think there is a sense of trying to protect your child from the world. And I think to an extent oh, that's, that's good and right. But I also think that it can, I, I, I think it's just, it strips away your moral authority to kind of dance around things because I think it's much easier to have a conversation early on, no matter what your side is. Like if you are, I don't know, like very anti, let's say alcohol, just to pick something neutral. Okay. If you're anti-alcohol, then you can sit your child down like at a very young age and say, listen, so we don't drink and it's because we don't really like the way that it makes people behave. We think it makes you make bad decisions, blah, blah. Like you can explain that in a way a child can understand. And then over the years, you can kind of reinforce that however you want. I mm-hmm. don't think that it's really going to make a whole lot of sense to say, hey, um, yeah, that thing that guy's drinking, I, I think it's like a weird brand of Coca-Cola. So yeah. just don't Lying to them it. or straight up saying it doesn't exist doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just makes things harder for you later on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if like, let's say that you are a person who, you know, disagrees with um, like – uh, having two dads in a children's book. Well, then you can use that opportunity of your kid bringing that book home as a opportunity to have a conversation with them if that's what you want to do. But banning the book outright is just going to further, I think it's going to cause issues down the line. Exactly. Well, now that we've covered the really, um, you know, shallow topics of uh, racism and homophobia, let's jump into terrorism. Um, Honestly, this that one doesn't seem as con- like that one seems easier to talk about. I think that's going to be a short one. I'm not even that interested. This is... in that. Like, eh, terrorism's bad. Great, moving on. I laughed so hard when I read this one. Though, is a book will lead you to terrorism, and it was talking about the kite runner specifically because that's there's stupid. like Islamic families in it. Like, I don't know what about that's that book. So stupid. Lead you to the bad guys are really bad in that book. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would feel like Star Wars would lead kids to terrorism before the Kite Runner would. Sure, like, Star Wars is awesome. The... I'll fight the Empire. Screw those guys. Right? Kite Runner? What no, no. This about... poor kid has a terrible life in Afghanistan and then comes to America where his life is okay. And then he goes back to Afghanistan. And it's terrible again. Why would I? Uh, no, come on. It's bizarre to me that that's the reason they banned. The I didn't know that book had ever but, been banned. That's interesting. Yeah, that's it's silly. been banned because it will lead to terrorism. No, because YouTube what? videos lead out, to terrorism. Yeah, please. It, because it points out how horrible the United States has treated Middle Eastern countries. Like that's going to lead to terrorism. 
Yeah, what? I mean, like, patriotism, patriotism is a hell of a drug. I can both understand that the U.S. has been a jerk to marginalized people and also like driving my car with the free oil I get. So, eh, yeah, it's, it's uh, cognitive dissonance, and we all do it. And if you think mm-hmm. you don't, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, moving right along, and this one is just it made me question everything. Um, religious viewpoint. Banning a book for a religious viewpoint is, again, going back to everything else we've said, if you don't agree with that religious viewpoint, you can't just outright ban it. Like, that's not how anything works. It's That religion's still going to be out there. And Not if we try hard enough. We can silence problem, anything. But, like, if you have a problem with um, another religion, if you have a problem with another viewpoint, why in the hell would you want to not understand it? This is, again, this is getting political and I didn't mean to, but this is one of my biggest problems with having any kind of political discussion with anyone nowadays, is one side kind of tries to make it a point, and this isn't even Democrat or Republican, it's just the way you discuss things. There's a group of people that try to understand the other people's point of view before they sit down and have a conversation about anything. And there's another side who starts off with, you're wrong, and then therefore refuses to learn anything about your viewpoint. And I, I don't understand how you do that. If I want to fight something, if I think something is wrong, I am first going to learn everything I can about it before I say a word about it out in public. I mean, but apparently, I think again, everyone does it. We all gravitate towards the extremes because it gets our emotions high and we all like our emotions, even the negative ones. Like there are a lot of studies that show that to an extent, negative emotions feed on themselves and you almost get to a point where you enjoy being angry or you enjoy being sad or depressed or whatever it is. Right. And yeah. And I know, <laughs> and I'm not saying this is a common occurrence, but I know there have been instances where there's been some type of a political issue where you and I have been talking about it and one of us will dig our heels in, even though like the other person might be making a very reasonable argument. It's just mm-hmm. a, I'm going to hold on to my understanding of these events because I think that what I'm saying is the correct way to look at this, even though the other person, like the way, so I, whenever I try to talk politics with people, which is tricky and sticky, I always try and say, listen, it, it really should not be like us versus them because that's, that's never what it's about. It's, there's a problem right. And the people on the left and the people on the right both probably want to fix the problem. They just have very different views of the best way to do that. And you can argue till you're blue in the face about the best way. I mean, like, easy one, poverty, right? The left says we should raise taxes and use that money for social welfare programs that help the poor. The right says, no, we should limit taxes, create jobs so that the poor people can have gainful employment. Both of those you know, are kind of at extremes of each other, even though I think both groups are essentially trying to solve the same problem, but no one sees it that way. Right. It's and that's, yeah, whatever. And that's one of the, like, it's just, you have to, I think it's even a, um, I'm, I'm, why am I pretending? Uh, it's an Ender's game point is that you cannot actually defeat an enemy until you fully understand them. And that's something I, fully believe is you cannot defeat a bad idea or you cannot defeat um some kind of negativity until you understand where it's coming from or why it is uh so i really love and i think you love this too we loved studying cults and studying like 
uh, you weren't as interested in serial killers, but you were in psychology. I love studying like the way ideas and people have taken things wrong, the way things went weird. Um, because until you understand it, you can't really refute it. Uh, so that's just a weird thing to ban a book for is a religious viewpoint. And specifically, one of the books that this is applied to was Twilight, and that made me laugh really loud. So I agree with you. Banning something <laughs> from a religious viewpoint doesn't make sense, but I also don't understand what you mean by that. Like, we keep going on tangents, but what, like, how, how? Just what? I don't get it. How Twilight has a religious viewpoint? Sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I never read the book. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I'm just looking, like, I'm trying to think. I don't know of any books that have been banned for religious viewpoint. Is more my issue. I think like I'm sure I they have that... in cultures and I understand like there have been religious texts and actually you know what screw it I'm gonna stick to the United States because I don't know anything about any other country in terms of this like I don't know any books in the US that are banned for religious stuff so I'm just looking for an example I'm sure they exist okay I'm sure they I don't exist. know um I know a couple and one of them I'm trying to think of the name of the book but I can't remember it but um one of them specifically was the satanic verses have you ever read that no heard of it it's a book about a couple of verses it's like a adventure book kind of pretty sure, pretty sure i would kind have of a, to confess that it's like an islamic version of a dan brown novel okay um a little okay. bit okay. and it's about um, a couple of verses in the quran that are known as the satanic verses and um it's based on that being a mystery that this guy solves and all this crap but it's banned often because it's sacrilege um and then here in america Apparently we've banned Twilight for having a religious bent. Um, but we've I also... Mean, Stephanie uh, Meyer was Mormon. Is that why? Yeah, I guess. Oh, I you know, know what? The Golden Compass might be a good example of this. The Golden Compass is now a good example. I remember it. my middle school librarian pulling my mom aside and I got in trouble for checking out a book that was like about Hindu faiths. It was like a short stories of like Hindu faiths. And I thought it was cool because there was like a pegasus dragon unicorn thing on the sure. front and i was like oh that seems interesting and then i got in like big trouble because i was investigating other religions and i'm like that's so dumb did you ever get in trouble <laughs> for reading greek mythology no there you go exactly there you go. that's how exactly you can tell if something is ridiculous or not yeah yeah done well we we are <laughs> we're like at 40 minutes so we should probably start moving quickly uh, i don't know i'm enjoying um, this this is fun um let's see uh we have drugs banning books for drugs like Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Dude, that caterpillar was cool. Yeah, and basically everybody in that book is based on some form of drugs or another, and the author was on LSD when he wrote it. How could you um, not? Like, that book and was basically, a trip, literally. Yeah, and everything in the book was terrifying. If anything, that tells you not to do drugs. Like, sure. I've, I've told many people, like, I don't want to do drugs, like hard drugs or hallucinogens, Partly because anytime they're depicted on movies or TV shows, people just look like they're really dizzy. Like everything's spinning, it's bright lights, mm -hmm. and I don't want to experience that for four and a half hours. That does yes, not sound like fun. fun. <laughs> but yeah, ban things because of drug use. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Uh, this is a fun one. Witchcraft. Banned for witchcraft. Obviously, Harry Potter has been banned multiple times for witchcraft. Um, I remember walking out of the theater... Uh, when my church uh, sponsored um, going to the line, the witch in the wardrobe and my dad who had admitted to me multiple times that he's never read a book in his life, could not understand why the church would ever sponsor something when there was witches in it. And I was like, 
Are you an idiot? That book, obviously. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, There's so many levels of that that I can't unpack right now. You don't need to. Everyone listening to this podcast hopefully understands how stupid that sentence was. If they don't, they should pick another podcast. All right, next one. But the but the one that just uh, what Uh, the bridge to Terabithia has been banned for witchcraft. And I was like, there's no witchcraft in that book. It's all imagination. Like, what are you, what? I'm going to be honest. I think that book should be banned just because it's a tearjerker. It will make a grown yeah, man like, cry. It's a it's very so sad. sad book. It's so sad. That's a good-ish reason to ban it. Um, <laughs> Protect me from my own emotions, not. damn it. Witchcraft makes no nah, sense. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, and then you have one written down, not understanding historical context? Yeah. Or is that one I wrote down? I yeah. wrote that one down. So okay. would you like me to talk about it? Yeah. Take, okay. Take it so one of the most notorious examples for a banned book is The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, partly because it deals with a theme we've already talked about, racism, and also because of its prolific and non-judicious use of the N-word. Um, mm-hmm. Take that Which as you will. Which is the character's name in the book, basically. Yeah. But I mean, like, set aside the last 15 years of rap music, and we'll <laughs> go from there. But one of the things that is really important in writing an authentic novel or even reading an authentic novel is understanding the context from which it came or which it is trying to describe. Um, There is an excellent movie um, called Glory. Okay. Um, If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's old as Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick, but it's about the first African American regiment. um, And they fought for the North in the civil war. And it's this, amazing story about you know just racial injustice triumphing through that and basically overcoming great odds through heroic virtue and it's incredible um that movie uses the n-word a ton um schools will allow you to show it to like middle school students if you have the edited version i one year did show the unedited version to my students um because it was my first year teaching and i was an idiot And almost all of my students said they had already seen that version. This is a Midwest (laughs) city. Um, So, you know, whatever. But it makes it a lot more powerful when you can, you know, kind of see how those things are used in the historical context. And again, not try and hide the fact that that type of a racial slur was so common that one of the greatest literary minds in American history decided to put like 40 words of that nature per page through his entire book. It's just one of, and then when you get to um, a lot of other just banned books, in my opinion, it is just modern people trying to take their values and their ideas of how the world should work and transmit them to an older era. And I don't think that that is a good way to go about your life because the truth is the past was very different from what we live in now. And people did things that we would consider bad that were not considered to be bad. Um, And so they may have been like as morally upright as you can get in their time and their place and their era. And living nowadays, they would be your redneck Uncle Steve who no one wants to invite to Thanksgiving. Um, and I think, and you can't, I think it's important to understand that. Yeah, and that kind of is the thesis of this whole episode, is that without context, everything can be horrible, but you have to provide context or age ratings or something. 
you can't just outright ban it because that defeats the purpose. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that if you are willing to ban something, maybe you should just have a conversation with yourself to understand, do you just not want to have a hard discussion with someone or what's going on that makes you not want them exposed? And and there are legitimate reasons. Like, again, I would say, do not let your 11-year-old read Fifty Shades of Grey. They're going to come out a little weird from that experience. <laughs> um, and they're, all, you know, all of that being said, let's talk about what books we would ban if we could. <laughs> can I add Fifty Shades of Grey to that list? I think it's bad yes, literature just to start off it's with. It's just really bad yeah. literature. Um, but even that, like, even bad literature, I feel like has a good purpose. Like... You can read I, – I follow a blog or used to. I haven't really read it in a while. That's like the worst sex scenes in fiction or the worst analogies in fiction, and they're hilarious. And it really tells you like this is something you shouldn't do when writing because it's terrible. And so even, even used in that context, Fifty Shades of Grey could be worth something. Um, but yeah, there are some books that I think are either so – as you put in one of them, overused or so just terrible that they're worth banning. They can be erased from our public. All right, let's go through the list then. My first is The Great Gatsby. I hate that book so much. And I think it, we talked about that in books like um, Classics We Hate, which was an episode we did last season. Um, and I went on length of that, so you can go find that episode here. But my basic point is everyone takes the wrong lessons from that book. Everyone does. And at some point, if everyone gets the wrong lesson from your book, it's not that it's being taught wrong. It's that something in the book is inherently wrong. <laughs> so that's my whole spiel on that book. I hate it. Stop reading it. Stop assigning it. Your turn. Totally fine. <laughs> um, so the one I would say is kind of in the same vein as Joel's. I would say ban To Kill a Mockingbird. And here's why before everyone decides to like send me death threats. Anytime you ask someone, what's your favorite book? It is a like 75% chance or higher that they will say To Kill a Mockingbird. And I firmly believe it's not because it is the best book ever written. It's good. It has a lot of important themes. You can unpack it for weeks as all of our high school English teachers showed to us ad nauseum. <laughs> My issue is that I think everyone took sophomore, junior literature in high school, read that book, decided it was their favorite, and then they never updated it in their head. So even yeah. in their 30s, someone will say, hey, what's your favorite book? Oh, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. Really? You haven't read anything else that has shook you since to your core school. since you yeah. were 14 or 15 years old? So I would like it to be banned for a period of time so we can do a hard reset and people have to find a new favorite book. <laughs> Because I'm sick and tired of hearing people say To Kill a Mockingbird is their favorite book, especially when yeah. like the reason people say it is because they may have actually not read a book since high school. And I've yeah. met many people go, like uh, that, and I'm sure you have too. I have to go on a mini tangent here. Um, uh, it's my boyfriend's um, birthday this Friday, so happy birthday, Dylan. He listens to the podcast. But you put on this note that says people who don't read will stop saying it's their favorite book. And how in the world did both of us end up with like non-readers? What what is that? That's a good question. We of all people should have. But yeah, that is a hundred percent used as a book that people who have never read a book say is their favorite mm -hmm. because they want to sound intelligent. Yeah, and they were forced and, to read it, so at least mm -hmm. you know they read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, you have two more written. I didn't really I couldn't think of a lot that I would ban. 
that we haven't already kind of talked about, but you put one down at the bottom that really pointed out a book or a genre of books I would ban. We can just um, talk about that then. We don't really need to go okay. into actually I screw it. Uh, Terry Brooks and the Shannara trilogy. I hate it. It's stupid. The first book was impossible to get through because every single scene was Chekhov's gun. They would walk like 40 feet and then a bad guy would pop out of the whatever. Then they would walk another 40 feet and then another bad guy. Like every. It, I hate it. I got you. That's fine. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I can't even go into depth on it because it was just such a stupid book. And it was such a ripoff of Lord of the Rings, and he wasn't even trying to make it new. Okay, that's enough. I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. Well, the next one you put, you put um, Triggered by Donald Trump Jr. Um, And I'll agree, that book has absolutely no merit whatsoever. I actually haven't, I don't know anything about the book. It might be great. Um, It was more like the type of book it represents where people are just trying to cash in on um, like modern political issues. I was using it as a catch And my point to that is all ghost-written books, period. Yeah, that's fair. Every book that is ghost-written by a politician or a famous person or anything is utterly worthless. Mm -hmm. The authors that actually wrote those books might be amazing. The points they're making might be the greatest things in the world, but we are attributing these sometimes great pieces of uh, literature to horrible people just because they are famous, and that should be illegal and banned. You should like if you think about throughout history, uh, some of the greatest writings are from our leaders and our famous people. Um, but now we have those leaders and famous people who can't read sometimes publishing books they haven't read and definitely haven't written, and it pisses me off. Like, should not be a thing, ghostwriting should not be a thing. You can do pseudonyms, you can have like team written books, like, um the uh, Animorph series or the Expanse series. You can do that kind of thing, but oh my God, ghostwritten books, especially for politicians, is infuriating. Yeah, I think if you want a book that has your name on the title, you should write it yourself. I really, yeah. I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, just because it's ingenu- it's disingenuous and it kind of undermines whatever point you're trying to make because automatically you're not that honest of a person. Yeah, exactly. And like, when just famous people do it, it, it like you were famous because you were on a reality show or something, and then you publish a book and people buy that book. Yeah. That is, that is what's leading to the downfall of society more than anything else. Facebook. People believing Snooki wrote a book. Yeah, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> I think if you're, yeah, I mean, I made my point. That's I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. So, well. We have gone on for quite a while, but we should at least touch on Out of the Silent Planet before we say goodbye. Sure. So I think you read an extra chapter last time, or maybe we both did. I think we read too far last time. I read just seven and eight this last time. Yeah, I'm aware, but I'm pretty sure maybe our versions are different, but he doesn't meet the aliens until chapter seven in my version. Yeah, he didn't meet the aliens in the last section. You literally said he met the aliens. No, I said they got to the planet. I hate you so much. Okay. Anyways. Did I say he met the aliens? I think you did. Maybe you didn't. So anyways, in this one, they meet the (laughs) aliens, kind of. He sees them. They're wispy ghost things. They're like... 
a Slenderman almost. I feel like, like C.S. Lewis knew way more about space than he should have for the era he lived right? in. It's kind of like reading Jules Verne where he's describing a submarine and you're like, you shouldn't know this much about underwater travel, buddy. How yeah. do you... It's when... creepy how well he did. And I was looking up to see if there's any adaptation about the Silent Planet or the Space Trilogy, as it's called, and there's nothing. But I really wanted to see a picture of these aliens after I read it because it sounded so believable and creepy at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I thought, honestly, the part that I thought was really cool wasn't him talking about the aliens. I was like, ah, I don't really care. I've read a lot of stuff about aliens. It was when... C.S. Lewis started describing the geology and he was like, yes. since the gravity wasn't as strong, everything was way steeper because it wasn't bogged down by gra-. And I was like, that's cool. I like it's that. It's so cool. Like, that's it sticks with an idea the whole time yeah. that you don't get a lot in modern sci-fi. Right. Um, I love the like description of even like the light performed wrong on this planet to him so things that were like very far away seemed blurrier than they should have been mm-hmm. because light was like and if you think about it like early in the morning or late at night when the sun is kind of below the horizon all the color spectrum goes bizarre um and that's what this whole planet is like because it's you know different gravity and different space and like he dealt with that in his description of the place which is really interesting um and then you did get to the point where, uh, yeah, what you were talking about is he kept describing the waves and everything um, as it was too tall. Uh, but he says, like, he's talking about plants and the waves and everything going too high. And he calls it the same theme of perpendicularity, mm-hmm. the same rush to the sky. And I was like, that's just so smart and brilliant uh, that he's dealing with that. Yeah, he's a smart cool. dude. I'm always impressed by just anyone who lived before something that actually ended up happening and is able to do a pretty good job of imagining it realistically. Like I said, Jules Verne, for a long time, I went down like conspiracy theorist websites that were like, was he from the future? <laughs> like he knew some shit he shouldn't have known. Um, Beautiful. And there's stuff out there. And it's kind of the same there with C.S. Lewis. It's like, maybe he really did. I don't know. Seems suspicious. And I, I love that he um, addressed, uh, when he first started describing the planet, he addressed the uh, authors or the narrator's expectations of what the planet should have looked like. He talks about how he's not thought of anything about sci-fi or strange planets except for rocky desolation or a network of nightmare machines. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's how most sci-fi is even today. Oh, yeah. The only – I have a critique this time. It's the first time I've had like an actual problem with the book. Yeah. They show up and the aliens start coming from across the pond or lake or ocean. It's not clear which body of water it is. There is an action scene. And I've read it like four times and I still can't tell you exactly what happened. Like it's so muddled because everything he's describing is a little bit weird that I don't super know what went down. That's fair. But the, ba- but the basics of it is um, – the something else attacked it wasn't like it didn't seem like the, it's not the aliens that he was going to be traded to some creature seemed not even that sentient uh maybe fish or sharks or birds it's not clear something attacked um his human companions what's his face finally talked when they got to this planet by the way um uh started shooting at it and he took that as an excuse to run away into the forest and that's where we left him, is he's hiding out in the forest, kind of, um, scared that the aliens are going to attack him. 
Yeah, it was kind of a weird chapter. I agree with that. It just, like, I didn't... For for C.S. Lewis, who I remember these epic battles in Chronicles of Narnia, um, that you know every single piece of it, this was a very strange little uh, action sequence that I could not follow. Totally So that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, if you're stuck sticking with us, uh, have no idea where it's going to go next because I kind of expected them to like talk to the aliens or do something. We last week talked about how we uncovered the fact that the one character had never spoken out loud, and now he has. Um, I, but I guess he hasn't spoken until they got to the surface of this planet, and nothing he said was that intriguing. But uh, it seems like we're missing something. There was a lot of setup that we didn't get the correct answers to or something. I don't know. I don't know where it's going next. I'm interested to see though. I'm excited for him to actually interact with the aliens, see what's going on there, see why he was brought to the planet. There's just some unanswered mysteries I would like solved. Yeah. And there's two more books. So there's some conflict that we don't even know yet that they're going to have to deal with. Like meeting the aliens isn't the conflict, obviously because there's two more books. So yeah, we're, I feel like we're still really early into this, even though we're about halfway through the book now. <laughs> well, that's all I got. You got anything? All right. I don't think so. Okay. Tune in next week when we read chapters 9 and 10 and talk about something else. <laughs> Maybe we talk about the um, latest Dresden Files, because I've finished it now. About damn time. Yeah, we yeah. can do that. That would be good. All right. All right. Well, faithful listeners, I love you. Unfaithful listeners, I hate you. You should listen more. All <laughs> listeners, I don't know you. So. <laughs> you should, uh, if you have any anything, you can email us at bookreportpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at book underscore pod. Facebook at bookreportpodcast. And Instagram at thebookreportpod with um, underscores underneath every word. We are online sometimes, so talk to us. <laughs> I'm not. I don't do that. Okay. Yeah, Stephen is a hermit who lives in a cave. I mm, mostly just access. don't like social media. That's actually super fair. I wish I hated it more. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> oh, also, sorry that this episode is late because we're actually recording it on the day it's supposed to come out. So. Oh sorry. my god, let but... this thing die already. It's You're not dead. saying your bye that closes it. You haven't I'm given me an opportunity. You. You're just mumbling and going around in circles and letting the water keep... circle the drain. Every time I pause, you're allowed to say bye. Bye.